0: welcome to the Doctor and the Dietitian podcast. This is Dr. Brian, board-certified pediatrician.
1: And I'm Heather, registered dietitian-nutritionist. Each episode, we dive into pediatric health and nutrition hot topics. Our goal is to help your family cut through the noise of the food and medical world. We want to empower you to have freedom and grace in raising your children to be healthy in all aspects of
0: their life. Thanks for joining us again on the podcast. Today is episode number 14, and we're going to be talking about pediatric dentistry.
1: Yeah, this is fun today because this is like the first time we've really dove into dental health.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And it's so connected with both what you do as a pediatrician and connected to nutrition as well.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's like how the body accepts the nutrition right (laughs) it's
1: main the main way that we eat and get food right hopefully so what how do you feel about the
0: dentist I'm not a fan no no I mean not really I mean I appreciate them yeah um and like the worst dental thing I've ever had I think is just like cavities being filled so it hasn't been terrible but do you
1: did you feel like that as a child
0: you know, I had a pre- pretty easy go at it as a kid until I got into high school and then I started having a few cavities and mm. then I started to really hate it. <laughs> and um and then that just kind of continued into adult life. So, yeah. yeah, it's not my favorite spot.
1: Yeah, I hated it from the beginning. Oh. I feel like I was really little and had cavities.
0: Oh. And yeah, that would kind of ruin it's it. It's like still
1: continuing to this day.
0: Oh. <laughs> so that's fun. Well, the good news is we had an opportunity to redeem the topic of dentistry, and we got to talk to uh, one of our pediatric dentistry friends, and Mm -hmm. the interview was awesome, so we're really excited for you guys to take a listen to it, Mm -hmm. Um, but hopefully it'll give a different perspective on dentistry and some tips for what you can do for your kids so that they have a better experience.
1: Right, right. All right, so we spoke with Dr. Jordan Verden, who's a pediatric dentist located outside of Baltimore, Maryland. She's a native Marylander, and she did both her dental degree and pediatric dental residency at University of Maryland School of Dentistry, where she served as the co-chief resident during her residency. Currently, Dr. Jordan practices at Smiles for Children and loves working with children and their families. In her spare time, she enjoys creating educational kids' dental content for other healthcare professionals, parents, and caregivers on her Instagram, which is such a cute name, small teeth, big world,
0: small teeth, underscore. big Yes. World. That's
1: how you can find her. Yeah. And we'll but, make
0: sure we put that in the show notes so mm-hmm. that you guys can find her fairly easily.
1: Yeah. So we hope you guys enjoy our chat with Dr.
2: Jordan.
0: All right. Bye guys. Hey, Jordan. How's it going?
2: Good. How are you?
0: Good. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to talk a little dental today. Yes.
2: Yay. Thank you both for having me. I'm excited.
1: I know we're so excited because, you know, in our nutrition and uh, medical world we touch on a lot of stuff but we don't really ever dive into dental and it's such a big part of our children's health
2: it is it is it's uh, the mind body teeth relationship is, is <laughs> so happy to be here
1: awesome well we would love it if you could just tell us and um, our listeners a little bit about yourself
2: Sure. Um, so I'm Jordan Bird and I'm a pediatric dentist who's in private practice outside of um, Baltimore, Maryland. So I'm here on the East Coast um, and I'm interested in a lot of different things, pediatric dentistry, but mainly um, patient education, behavior management, working with children to be successful through treatment, um, as well as oral health education in terms of social media. So, um, you know, that's just a little short snippet about me, but, um, you know, pediatric dentistry is something that I think I've been fascinated with since I was little. So, um, very happy to be talking about it today.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you, what made you decide to become a dentist?
2: I always loved when I was little. I actually went to the practice that I work in now. And I always was fascinated about how um, we would get through treatment and when I would have to go for fillings. And it was never a scary thing looking back on it. It was mm-hmm. always fun. I was always so excited to go and talk about what teeth were loose and brushing and flossing. And the older I got, I never had that dental fear. And um, also when I got older, I realized it was kind of a combination of medicine and artistry um, and was a way for me to explore both of those things that I love in a profession that I was passionate about. So um, that was something that through high school and college and obviously dental school and residency was something that I really enjoyed getting in touch with more.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. I kind of think back on my childhood, too, and think about my experiences with medicine. And I wasn't one to go to the doctor very often. But I do remember when I did go, I always felt like it was so cool to have somebody help like fix my body, you know, Mm -hmm. and I remember like for simple stuff, like as a teenager, like dealing with treatment for acne, or just when you're feeling sick, having somebody, you know, have a way to heal you. And that's Mm -hmm. so cool. And I feel like that draws people into a career field. So it's interesting to hear somebody talk about that from the dental perspective, Mm -hmm. too. It's cool.
2: Exactly. That's awesome.
0: Um, Okay, so what um, ended up leading you to like, take part of your career online and like get on social media?
2: So, I was scrolling on Instagram one day, as people do, and I started noticing a lot of um, like health related posts on lots of different things, but also in dentistry that had not evidence based information or some information that, you know, I didn't know where they were getting their sources from. And people were buying into this. And I would have patients come in um, into my residency. And when I started off in practice, that would come in with these. things that I had seen online. It was kind of frustrating because I didn't want that to be their only source for information. It's hard to find published journals. It's hard to, you know, understand published journals. So I wanted right. to that information and kind of make it more simple and fun so that anybody who's reading it could kind of get the information and understand oral health and what's important and what to look for, um, in a way that was evidence-based, but, um, was also kind of fun and informative as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's super important, and I know we feel the same way of like misinformation on the internet. Um, <laughs> so it's so cool to have you in this space and to help be helping parents and making you know making complicated things more clear.
2: Absolutely,
1: love it. So maybe for for people out there, what is the difference between like a pediatric dentist and just a general? dentist and like, is, is there a necessity to see a pediatric dentist for your children?
2: Sure. So, um, the main difference I would say between a general dentist and a pediatric dentist is just, um, our residency training in pediatric dentistry. So after you graduate dental school, Um, you're a general dentist, Um, pediatric dentistry is an extra two years residency program. And during that time, we get extra training on child development, um, pediatric behavior management, and solely, you know, doing those clinical um, procedures that are Mm -hmm. for children. Um, So I think I would say, and I know I'm biased, but I would say I think seeing a pediatric mm-hmm. dentist is important because we have that training in child development and pediatric behavior management to help your child get through treatment successfully. Of course, a general dentist can do that too and be successful, but I think we um, have those extra two years where we're that's our sole focus. Um, another area that I think pediatric dentistry Our residency training is very important is when it comes to children with special health care needs. We receive a lot of extra in clinic time and courses Mm -hmm. on that. And we also, um, in our program, at least at Maryland, um, rotated through a cleft lip and palate clinic. So I think Mm -hmm. having that extra training on board helps us to um, help caregivers, patients and their families feel comfortable um, getting through treatment and being successful in treatment.
0: So cool, yeah, I didn't even know the nuances there, yeah. so it's interesting to hear,
1: and it's funny like we've we've always taken our kids to a pediatric dentist, and I feel like I mean, I guess I think our first one, the first appointment I took him to was just like my general dentist that I went to and mm. and then I did find a pediatric dentist after that because I felt like, oh man, this kid is a little and he needs a little more specialized care um and yeah I feel that with all the pediatric dentists we have gone to it's been so helpful because they are like you guys are like magicians (laughs) to get them in the chair and to like to make it fun and all that
0: oh
2: that's great that's a nice way to think about that I like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so a lot of families are wondering when do they need to start getting their kids into a dentist. And I know some of that has changed in the recent years. And I know that there's seemingly still some confusion out there yeah. where like some dental offices aren't willing to see kids until they're older than maybe what's recommended. So why don't you maybe clear the air for us and tell families when they should take yeah. the kid in for their first visit?
2: I would love to. So <laughs> the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry um, recommends first visit by first tooth or first birthday. Um, And that's, I feel so important because I, you know, we end up seeing children sometimes who wait until they're three or four to come in. And by that point, sometimes they already have cavities or, you know, other dental problems. So the first visit, I feel like is really important in establishing a dental home. And it's so important, you know, The child, when they come in and they're one or they have their first couple of teeth, um, may, you know, not have too much going on dental wise. But I think it's so important for parents and caregivers to be able to come into the dental office and ask questions about, you know, how do I brush the teeth? How much toothpaste do I use or habits or, you know, anything that they have a question about? Um, And I think it helps set children up for a lifetime of good oral Mm -hmm. health from an early age.
1: Totally. Yeah. Like as soon as they have those teeth for us to know how should I be doing this and caring for them is super helpful.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. So as a pediatrician, for me, I definitely recommend families try and get in by the first birthday, like you mentioned, but it's surprising how many of them come back to me at um, subsequent well visits and kind of say, oh, the dental office that we take our other kids to, or we go to said not to come until two or three. Mm -hmm. And so we've often in primary care been trying to like bridge this gap where Maybe there's not enough pediatric dentists around, or something, and so families can't get their so kids just going in. to
1: like a general mm-hmm. dentist. And then
0: maybe with COVID too, and having a lot of offices shut down and sure. be running behind, it's been hard. And so we've been trying in primary care to like bridge the gap until they can get in with you guys. But um, it's just interesting that there's some discrepancy there with yeah with what the academy wants and what's maybe out there with other family practice dentists.
2: Yeah, that's sure. That's very very true.
0: Okay.
1: Wait, I have a question before okay. we move on. How many infants do you see, like newborns who are um, who have teeth? You know, sometimes that happens where newborns get born with right. like teeth. Do you ever see them in your clinic?
2: I have not yet in okay. total practice, um, and only one time in residency. So, very, I okay. would say, very rarely. Uh, yeah. Yep. I think just one time, but yes, it does. It does happen. You can have natal or neonatal teeth, and have teeth when you're a newborn.
0: Right.
1: I know. How funny yeah, would that be? To I've like seen bring it several
0: in... times in my career and I usually <laughs> refer them to a dentist if I'm worried right that away. the tooth is, well, no, actually if the tooth is loose and I'm worried it's going to fall out and mm-hmm. become a choking hazard, then I get them to the dentist right away. But oftentimes they're really sturdy and there's nothing to do. And so we just kind of watch it from this
1: the primary crazy. care office. Yeah. I saw someone recently who had a, a. Newborn, I was born with two teeth for both of her front teeth. I was like, "Oh my, that's fun (laughs) breastfeeding." Right, (laughs) it's so crazy. Okay, thanks for my silly question. Of course. (laughs) Okay, what about um? So give us the download on breast brushing and flossing because let's be real, kids are crazy, and (laughs) it's super hard to like actually brush their teeth or to floss them. Um, I mean. I'll be real. I have a hard time flossing myself. So, sure. what do, like what do you recommend? And realistically, like what do you tell parents? And also on on the end of that, um, like we've had dentists before who have told us that um, we should be like helping or brushing our kids' teeth until they're at least eight. Um, is that like a general standard, or what do you what do you recommend and see is helpful there?
2: Sure. So, um, you know, when I'm talking to my families that i work with we talk about you know the ideal the gold standard is obviously that we want to brush two times a day and we want to floss one time a day Um, but then it's how do we make that information you know actually work in the real world Um, so still talking about that but i would say the most important time to brush is at nighttime, you know, after we're done eating and drinking for the day, because if Mm -hmm. not our mouth gets super dry at night and if we leave food or plaque on the teeth, that's when we can get the cavity formation. So in terms of most critical time to brush, I would say nighttime is definitely the most important. Um, And then flossing, want to do that at nighttime as well to try to remove plaque and food particles from in between the teeth. But I know it's challenging to floss. I, if I don't leave my floss out, sometimes I forget to, so it makes me feel better. (laughs) Um, but I think for, um, children for brushing, you know, we go through different stages where, you know, sometimes children may be very resistant to brushing and it may be a little bit more of a battle to get that done every day, um, to where they want more independence. And so I think, Giving choices when we can have choices appropriately, of course, Um, you know, letting children choose options like their toothbrush or do you want to brush the top teeth or the bottom teeth first or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, letting them have a turn and then you brushing afterwards, I think are all ways to help give them some um, autonomy and some independence with, you know, making sure that it gets done properly just because children, when they're very young, obviously unfortunately don't have the hand skills even though they may want to to brush all the areas of their mouth mm-hmm. I would say the brushing until or having a parent help with brushing until age seven or eight is something that we do talk about a lot but i think that's just a um kind of like a general guideline you know some children are very very good at brushing at that age some children mm-hmm. not as good and some children who are younger may be very very good at brushing so i think um When we talk about getting more independence in brushing, I usually talk about maybe letting your child brush by themselves in the morning, but then having a parent to help brush or Mm -hmm. supervise brushing at nighttime because that's the most important time that we want to make sure Sure. that we have all the and food off of the teeth.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And like you want your kid to have the opportunity to develop like those fine motor skills mm-hmm. to actually like learn the maneuver of how to get the brush on the teeth, mm-hmm. but you also want their teeth to get clean. Right. And I know from our family, like we have an eight-year-old who could care less about whether his teeth actually get clean. Yeah. So he still needs parent supervision. And then mm-hmm. we have a three-year-old who really, really likes to clean and scrub. And so <laughs> I, it's just interesting. Like I feel like the number maybe doesn't matter as much as yeah. just, just the kid.
2: That's true. Each, each kid is different in how they want to brush and when they want to brush is, is different. So finding that right, um, unique routine for each child, I think is so important.
1: Yeah. I like that idea though, of like giving them the autonomy, like in the morning you brush and that's helpful too, just logistically, if we're getting ready to leave for the day or Mm -hmm. going to school or whatnot, you know, go up, brush your teeth and then you don't have to be up there doing it with them.
0: Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Okay. So I have some questions about fluoride and I know a lot of my patients' families ask about fluoride a a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one of the things in primary care we've started doing more, I'd say, in the last few years is trying to do fluoride varnish applications while kids are waiting to get in with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So is that something that you like having us do in primary (laughs) care Um, and maybe give us the down low on fluoride?
2: Sure, I honestly am all for pediatricians doing the fluoride varnish. I think that's great. I think it's awesome for public health, especially you know in areas where maybe like you said, there's not a pediatric dentist, and children you know have to wait till a certain age in order to get in to see the dentist. So I think that's very important. Um, I think fluoride is safe and effective at reducing cavities and preventing dental decay. but I think you know we need to make sure that we're using it appropriately. We're making sure we have the right amount of toothpaste on our toothbrush for kids. Um, that you know we're looking into sources of fluoride. If you know we're considering supplementing fluoride and things like that. But fluoride varnish, I think, is a great way to help to remineralize the tooth structure, um, especially for children that are at higher risk of getting cavities. Um, because I think that's one of the most important things for children to look at is what is you know, each child's risk for getting cavities. Children who are at higher risk definitely benefit from having a fluoride varnish in our office. I know um, children who are high risk, we like to see them every three months to do a fluoride varnish application, but also to check on their brushing and, you Mm -hmm. know, making sure that they're working hard at home to help decrease their risk. So I think that's um, something great. And I love that you're doing that at the pediatrician's office. I think that's awesome
0: so what about fluoride in toothpaste is it okay for kids to start using that right when the teeth erupt or do they need to wait till a certain age
2: no so um you can start using a fluoride toothpaste when the teeth start to erupt um but the amount of toothpaste that you'll use will be different so for children under the age of 3 um we recommend a smear size amount of fluoride toothpaste so i always think about it like if you had a little travel size um thing of toothpaste, um, you would just put like a very small, light layer on the bristles, like just enough to just barely cover those bristles. And that Mm. little travel size of toothpaste will hold you out for a long time. You don't need like a big ribbon of toothpaste on it. And then for children Mm. over three, um, we recommend a pea size amount. So very small amounts of fluoride, um, because at that age, obviously, we're not able to spit it out. So um, if we happen to swallow a little bit of it, um, you know, that's okay. Um, We just want to use the little tiny smear for children under three. Cool. And
1: when does that – is there an age where the amount increases like for kids older than three or, you know, when they get to five or eight or ten, like does that amount of toothpaste need to be more?
2: No. Honestly, I – I mean, I feel like when I brush my teeth, I use maybe like a little bit bigger than a pea size, but not very much. So you don't need a lot. I know commercial, like toothpaste commercials show these (laughs) ribbons of toothpaste, but you really don't need that much to, you know, make sure that the toothpaste is covering your your mouth. You just need a little bit.
1: Okay.
0: Good to know. What about, I know this is kind of related, but maybe not. I know a lot of adults now have started using like the electric or uh, whatever they're called, automated toothbrushes rather than just yeah, like electric. the old school, mm-hmm. old school ones. Uh-huh. Is that something that sh- kids should be using too? Or how do you usually instruct them on that?
2: Sure. Um, children can definitely use the electric toothbrushes. That's one of the things um, that we talk about. If kids aren't interested in brushing, sometimes... Um, some of our families will switch to an electric toothbrush mm-hmm. and all of a sudden because it's electric and it has a little timer on it they're interested in it so I think it's um, definitely okay for children to use an electric toothbrush um, you know you can start using it they make ones for children's I think as young as four or five so can start using it around there with I would have supervision of a parent of course mm-hmm. uh, but it's something that children like. And if they like it and they're using it appropriately, it does a very good job um, of removing plaque from the teeth.
1: Hmm. Okay. Good to know. Our kids would go crazy with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they'd turn into weapons. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So moving from fluoride to cavities, um, I think the big question we got from some of our listeners is how come you have to fill the cavities on teeth that are eventually going to fall out? So like on the primary teeth, do they always need to get filled or can you just leave them and watch them?
2: Um, So I would say sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. So, and that goes back to what is each child's risk. And so uh, every child that comes into our office has a unique cavities risk. some, you know, areas will start to form like a small start to a cavity and with good brushing and flossing and maybe seeing that patient every 3 months we can watch that area some patients you know just based on their either maybe you know the bacteria that's in their mouth or how home habits Um, If they get a start to a cavity, that cavity is going to grow very large. Um, So Mm -hmm. treatment options and um, recommendations will change based on that. But baby teeth, definitely we want to um, restore them if they have cavities that are recommended for treatment for a couple of reasons. The first one is baby teeth are so important. Um, I feel like I say this all the time, but they're very important. (laughs) They help us with speaking, eating, and they hold the space for adult teeth, um, which is so, super important to preventing, hopefully, trying to prevent things like crowding or tipping mm-hmm. the teeth. Um, and when baby teeth have cavities, they can cause pain, they can cause infection, um, and they can, if we have long standing infection in baby teeth. Um, can affect the adult teeth. So, so important to restore teeth that have larger size cavities to prevent pain and infection. um, That can make it hard to, you know, do things like eating, sleeping, or concentrating in school. Um, So I definitely recommend that, um, you know, if it's recommended to fix a baby tooth, um, to complete the treatment so that we don't cause those long-term problems.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just... So sad, (laughs) you know, when you don't, um, you were talking about Jordan about how you had such a good child dental experience. And I was, had like the opposite of that. And so it's, even still, I'm like, oh, I can do it and it's not a it's not a huge deal if I go to the dentist, but I definitely, you know, I'm like sweating. I get nervous. <laughs> so I feel bad for my kids, but I know they're having a much better experience than I did. <laughs> hopefully. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And hopefully gives parents some reassurance to to follow through and to do it. Yeah, for sure. Love it. Okay. What about um, do you see kids often with kinker sores?
2: Um, I do on occasion, um, canker sores, I feel so bad whenever I see our little (laughs) people get them because they can sting, they can make it uncomfortable to eat, to drink. Um, So usually I reassure, you know, parents and patients that they are self-limiting. They last, you know, a week or two, which is an eternity when you have one. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of some things to um, kind of help with canker sores or to lessen the potential um, risk of getting more canker sores. One of the first things that I'll usually talk to parents about is trying toothpaste without um, sodium lauryl sulfate, which is the um, like foaming agent in toothpaste. Sometimes mm-hmm. that can irritate. I feel like our, our, um, tissues and lead to a higher propensity of getting the canker sores. Um, So some brands that don't have um, sodium lauryl sulfate are Sensodyne, Burt's Bees, and Hello brand. Um, And sometimes that will help. Um, I get canker sores a lot. So I found these like they're called Dentec canker covers that cover it and make it easier to eat and drink while you have them. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So you like put it on inside your cheek or wherever your canker is.
2: Wow. Yeah, I usually don't recommend like the numbing agents because sometimes when our, our lips or if it gets on our tongue or if it gets all over, we can accidentally bite our lip or our tongue and that can exacerbate the problem. Um, mm-hmm. So I can try to find things without numbing agents in it, but they are. Okay. they are
0: you know.
1: Interesting. I didn't know. Had you heard of those before?
0: Yeah, I've tried them in the past. Oh, you have? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. So what, um, we had a couple questions about like medicines that kids might use that might Mm -hmm. lead to dental problems. Are there any that you would say stand out that are maybe commonly used medicines for kids that, um, if they're used for long periods of time, they should, um, let the dentist know about.
2: Um, I would say any, um, you know, medicines that may have any like additive, like sugarings for flavorings, um, sugars for flavorings or things like that, any medications that are flavored with sugar, that may be a problem. I'm not sure how common that is. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't see it too, too much. That's not the biggest thing, but anything really that dries the mouth out or has um, dry mouth as a side effect can potentially cause some issues dental wise. Mm -hmm. Because when we're drying our, our mouth out, saliva is super important for moving food off the teeth, for cleansing our mouth. And so when we decrease our saliva flow, like if we take um, like allergy med- medicines, for example, um, antihistamines can dry your mouth out. That can um, leave food and plaque on our teeth for longer periods of time and allow that bacteria that lives in our mouth to um, break down those those food particles, which can increase our risk for cavities. So um, there are some medications, I would say definitely ones that dry out our mouth um, are of a big concern and, you know, possibly potentially flavored medications that may have a a sugar component in them.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, well, on that topic of like allergy meds, maybe for both of you guys, um, Brian and Jordan, uh, is there other recommendations or things that parents can try, like if their kids suffer with allergies?
0: Yeah, it depends on maybe where their allergy symptoms are. So lots of times people just start on an antihistamine without really talking to a doctor about it because mm. they have allergies. But, you know, if you have primarily like eye symptoms with watery, itchy eyes, maybe eye drops are better than a systemic mm. antihistamine. Or if you have mostly nasal symptoms, maybe a nose spray. So you're basically like localizing the medicine to the area of sure. problem rather than taking a systemic agent that would dry the mouth out. So, mm. yeah.
1: Makes sense. mm mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Well, thanks, Jordan, for joining us. This was really awesome. Are there any last minute things you wanted to touch on or stuff that you really want families to know about pediatric dentistry?
2: Um, I would say definitely first visit by first birthday or first tooth, but um, just know that, you know, as pediatric dentists, we care about your child and want to work with you to help your child be successful. So um, when you come to see any pediatric dentist, don't be afraid to ask questions or you know, help come up with a plan that's unique to your child so that they can have a lifetime of good oral health. I would say that's probably my biggest um, thing that I like to tell parents and, and take away message. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah.
1: I love it. Okay, and before we let you go, we do um, kind of off the cuff fun thing at the end of every episode where um, we created some fun table topic cards um, just to specifically like to help families at mealtime if if that's a struggle. Um, but we like to ask each other or guess to get your answer. Okay, so just first thing that comes to your mind. You ready?
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. It's not scary. I promise. Okay. Um, if you could only eat at one restaurant. For the rest of your life, which restaurant would you choose?
2: Um, probably Jersey Mike subs.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Nice. I like that.
1: Sandwiches. I feel like you could get a lot of variety.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's my question. Does this mean that you have to eat at that restaurant for every meal? Yes. Or just when you want to go out, it's the mm-hmm. only restaurant you're allowed to go to. Right. Because that would change my answer. Would it? I think so.
1: I don't know. I feel like either. I'll say how did you answer that, Jordan?
2: I thought it was whenever you go out, that's where you go.
1: Okay. Okay. Answer it that way.
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: what, um, what would you say? I don't know if I have a specific restaurant, but I think I would pick um, Mexican food.
1: No, you have to pick a
0: specific restaurant. Oh. Like
1: Chipotle or like a taco truck? Uh,
0: I guess Chipotle <laughs> would work. Okay. Yeah. That's probably what I'd pick. <laughs> what about you, Heather?
1: Um, I would choose Chick-fil-A. Ooh,
0: yeah. That's good. Classic. Classic.
1: I know. I know. I can't. I just – those waffle fries, they get me. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you again so much, Jordan. We appreciated um, talking to you. And before you go, will you just um, give a shout out to where people can find you on the gram?
2: Sure. Um, So I am on Instagram at teeth underscore big world.
0: I love it. Perfect. (laughs) so good (laughs) all right thanks again jordan
2: sure
1: are you stressed about mealtime in your house do you feel overwhelmed with knowing what to feed and if your child will eat it maybe mealtimes end in battles or maybe you just have a child that's suddenly becoming picky in what he eats and you don't know what to do friend we feel you we used to be in the same situation And we want to let you know that mealtimes and feeding your family doesn't have to stay this way. We want you to join our family feeding coaching. We walk you through six weeks of our signature steps to move you from frustrated to feeding with freedom and grace. During those six weeks, you'll get one-on-one support, video and book resources, recipes, and fun tools to help change the dynamics of mealtime in your home. Go to the link in our show notes to schedule your discovery call today. It's free, and you get a chance to talk with me, Heather, the dietitian. I'll answer all the questions you might have about this program, and we can see if family feeding coaching would be a good fit for your family.
0: Are you worried about your child being underweight? Has your child's pediatrician recommended that they take a nutritional shake to help boost their growth? Go check out Healthy Heights Nutritional Shakes. We love their products. It has much lower sugar than the competitors and has a great nutritional profile. For more information, check out our show notes for links on how you can shop their products. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Doctor and the Dietitian podcast. Check out our episode notes for more information about items we discussed in this episode. Also, remember to subscribe, comment, and share. Our podcast with your friends and family. For more information about our available services and to join our community, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Doctor and the Dietitian. And check out our website at The Doctor and the Dietitian. We continually make an effort to share with you, correct and the most up-to-date information. We admit that we're still learning, and probably will always be learning. We double-check all of our facts, but realize that nutrition and medicine are constantly changing art and science. Other dietitians and physicians may have a different way of doing things. We're simply presenting our views on these topics in order to help you. By listening to this podcast, accessing our social media, reviewing our website and products, We are not establishing a patient-doctor relationship, or a client-dietician relationship, and therefore we are not specifically diagnosing or treating any conditions specifically with you in mind. We do recommend that you consult with your own physician, your child's pediatrician, and or a dietitian for your specific individual needs. This disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to our podcast, social media, website, or products, and our opinions do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers.